success comes from the inside out. When we're living congruently with our values, there's happiness because there is that sense of wholeness. This wholeness is when the way of your being matches the truth of your being. One of the greatest challenges in life is learning how to work with other people and their personalities. And did you know that your personality type is actually rooted in one of the bodies, either the mental, physical, or emotional body? And so if we can learn that and understand that about each other, then we've got some uh, clues as to how to solve conflict with each other, how to praise and support each other, and, um, and to understand why people act the way they do. Yeah. And this is going to be fascinating. Be prepared to get to know yourself on a whole new level. I have only been familiar with the Enneagram for not too long, but it speaks so much to my soul that I cannot wait to share. And I see that it works so well with the four bodies and then as we move into creation, you'll begin to see for yourself and begin to create from more of your true self. The Enneagram is a symbol and like a pentagram has five points, this is an Enneagram that has nine points. So the Enneagram just is the name of the symbol. But another name that it's given is the face of God is another one. And so there are, in this, there's nine personality types. And the purpose of it is that we, we become one of them and our hope is to become all of them. But just to recognize that all of this, the symbolism that belongs to this, this, this Enneagram that I'm gonna teach you is important and is valid and it, it, it's a beautiful thing. So we're gonna get started. So each of these numbers on the Enneagram represent a different type of personality. And this is the way that the person gets energy. And there are very positive qualities that each of these have and there are negative qualities that each of these have. But it's really important to understand that each person's victory comes from the same path as their vice. And that is the most beautiful part of this Enneagram is that you will in the beginning as you learn about these Enneagrams especially about your own all the negative stuff will just show up and you'll feel almost drowned in the those parts that you were hoping nobody was seeing but are really um, who you are these negatives but the great thing is it's those negative aspects as you walk around for a little bit feeling the heaviness of those negative things you're going to look to that same exact place and to make them your victory. They are the keys to you ascending to a greater, more balanced person. When we're feeling like we need to defend ourselves or we need to protect ourselves, then we react in the world to, you know, it becomes, it's, it's negative, it's, it's offensive to other people and it doesn't get us what we're needing. But those same things will become our victory or our virtue. That's when we are redeemed or transcended. As we move forward, just keep that in mind that, you know, when you feel that kind of tinge of, oh, that's me, then recognize that that's gonna be the key and that pretty soon we're gonna work, you're gonna work towards yourself with those four bodies 
and with the chakras in order to make that your your victory. It's important to see that the Enneagram is divided into three sections and this is probably what um, fascinated me most about the Enneagram is because I, uh, I picked up immediately on the idea of connecting with the four bodies. You've got eight, nine, and one. You know, this is not numerical, but eight, nine, and one are body. They're, they're body people. They, they, they work from the physical body. That is their strength. Two, three, and four are emotional people. They, are, they work and they connect with the emotional body innately. Five, six, and seven are very much connected to the mental body. It's where they find their energy. So each of these places, they're gonna, we're gonna go into to that body to find energy. So I am a type two, that's the type that I come up with in the Enneagram. And so I'm very much in that feeling part of, and, and so I, that emotional body is where I will find my balance. I keep in my phone that chart of emotions and I refer to it quite a bit because when I get in touch with my emotion that I'm having, I can calm down very quickly. A mental body is going to get in touch with the thoughts they're having. They're going to need to recognize the thoughts that they are having. And then that physical, those, those, those in the physical, they're going to have to recognize what physical sensation they are having. So my, my emotions are going to tell me to give me clues as to what thoughts I'm having and what physical sensations I'm having. A five, six, and seven, they're going to look at their thoughts to understand what emotions they're feeling and what physical sensations they're feeling. And then those physical, um, those, those eight, nine, and one, they're gonna listen to their bodies and then they're gonna say, okay, I'm feeling this sensation in my body, I'm having a physical reaction, what thoughts am I having and what emotions am I having? So I hope that makes sense as we move forward. I'm gonna start with one, but it's kind of tricky because one is lumped in with a nine and eight. But I'll go ahead and start with one as far as um, to give you some understanding of each of these. The one is called the reformer. And it is rational. They, they, these people are very rational and idealistic. They're principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and they are perfectionists. And we need ones. Ones are the ones that are going to say, hey, this needs to change. And they have the ability, it actually feeds them energetically to change things. So a lot of activists might be ones. And a lot of people that want to be good are ones. A one is, it's, and it's kind of funny, it's a good way to look at these things in a, um, in a funny way because we need to it's not all bad, but we'll feel that way. But, you know, one will be the type that will look at the dishwasher and they will reload it in the right way. A one will often worry about the decisions they're making, whether it's right. They're very much um, connected to right and wrong. Maybe some black and white thinking there. They will notice the one small perfection in things, imperfection. They'll say, oh, that's wrong. And they'll just notice it immediately. Ones often have trouble accepting compliments because there's always more perfecting to be done. So they're, they're, they're always moving and transforming. And so to take a compliment means 
I'm not done yet, and that doesn't feel maybe positive for um, the one. A one doesn't erase something, it starts over. That's the energy of the one. They ones really have an inner critic. Like I say, because they're perfectionists, they're I mean that they're always looking at how it can be made better. Now that feels like a negative experience. But imagine if you were married to someone who is always looking, how can I make my wife feel more loved? How can I perfect our relationship? You, you wouldn't want to give that up. So in that vice of perfectionism and, and needing to continually perfect and grow and make better, you know, in that negative is also something you wouldn't want to give away. So there's also three, usually there's levels within these. We have a, a level of dysfunction, a, a one that's very dysfunctional will act, it will, you know, use a lot of these negativities differently than someone that's, you know, kind of in the middle and then someone that's kind of ascended. They'll, they'll look at these things in the same way, but it, it'll be similar. It'll be similar. So it like for the trait perfectionism, how is the one in a low, you know, when, they, when they're very um, immature version, what does that perfectionist look like? And then maybe in the, the middle version and then in the top, what, what is that highest form of perfectionism? You know, um, and it, where it becomes the virtue. Artistic people might be a one that just wants that, you know, they just have an eye and they can just see it. And then that eye beautifies and, and all of us. It supports all of us with the beauty that they make. If you are a one, we need you and, and you are important to our society. The two is called the helper. And like I said, I am a two. And um, it's funny because when we go through the the qualities of the two, sometimes there's very positive things. And I don't know if I just had this experience because it was mine, but I was like, oh, I was very proud of all these positive experiences. And when I heard those, the negative things or the opposites of those, the vices, I didn't, it was hard for me to accept them. But as you see, um, that's my clue. That's the clue to move, to move forward. The helper is caring interpersonal, generous, and sometimes it can be, we can be people pleasing and possessive. So one of the hardest things was as a two, I, I, I have an understanding of unconditional love. And because I have that, so I give that out, but I have at the same time, I hold the, the energy of expectation as well. So how that looks for me is, let's say I'm, when I'm on social media, if I'm connected to someone and I know them, I'll like their stuff. I'll, you know, Instagram, there's a little heart there and I have no problem hitting that heart because I love these people. I don't even look at what, I don't have to agree with what they're saying. I don't have to, it's not a judgment in myself to, to see whether this is true for me. I'm loving and accepting them as a person. That's my point when I click on that little heart. But at the same time, I have people that are really close to me and I notice that they don't like my stuff. And I, it doesn't make sense to me until I learned about the Enneagram because I hold within myself, I can give freely, but I have expectation as well. It's not just free. It is, but it isn't. It's really, I love the Enneagram. It's a, it's a dualistic way of thinking. Um, but 
yeah, when they didn't like my things, I, I, I feel very, it doesn't feel, I don't understand that because it's so innate to me to, to love. And so learning that, hey, they might be one of these other types that looks at it differently, it's helped me to kind of let some of that go. But for a while, it would make me, you know, depending on the day, depending on my thoughts and moods, whether it kind of made me angry or, or hurt my feelings if they didn't like my stuff. But that's very much a two, a two personality. There's some funny videos on YouTube about annoying things each of the types will say. And when you push play on the two, one of the first things she says is, I want you to be happy and I want to be the reason why. And everybody in my family laughed at that. And I just, like, my eyes got big because I understood what that meant. I love to spoil people and I love to give people beautiful gifts and to that pay attention to who they really are. I'd love to show them love, but uh, I think there's that part of me that says, see what I did? I did this for you. And I kind of want that recognition for that. You know, there's the vice and the virtue living in the same place. And it's really easy if I'm a depleted as a two to, to move into that people pleasing and to forget who I am and, and not know my thoughts and feelings because sometimes that energy is so flowing out of me that I, I don't know who I am. That's some of my neg negativity. Twos put everyone in their group. They want you to know that you're wanted, um, but they don't, yeah, they don't know their own needs and they need to be needed. My husband has been very smart to use the word need quite a bit. I'm so thank thankful for you to do this. I really need you in my life. And I know what he's doing, and I know that he's making a point to speak my language, but I'm also surprised at how much it feeds me. <laughs> a two will always see um, the whole of another person. And it's so true, like, and it's almost maddening to me. I will be angry at someone and frustrated at someone, and I can have, I, I'm not, I, it's not like I can't be angry or frustrated, but I'll get through telling all my frustrations and then immediately I'll start to say, well, I can understand why they're that way and da 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 da, -da. And I need to find that balance in myself and we'll talk about how to use the Enneagram to do that because it's really easy for me to keep going in that direction and then and lose my thoughts about it and my feelings about it. And so it, I need to kind of bring those into balance because maybe my thoughts and feelings about it are not all the way true because I don't have all the information, but I still need to honor my own feelings as well. The three is called the performer or the achiever. One of the things I want you to recognize um, really quick is it, whatever number you are, the ones to the side of you, you might be able to connect to a little bit. So recognize that. We do have all of these qualities within each of us, so it's not like you'll probably find something in each of them that you can identify with. We have what's called a wing. So when you take the test, it'll say two, wing, three. So that's what I am. So I'm a two, and I, I have a lot of my three in me. But I'm next to the one, so I'm going to have a little bit of that too. But I lean to the three. So a two, three is going to be very different than a two, one. A 2-1 is going to be very, you know, it's going to have that reformer and that perfectionist in it, where the 3 is going, to, is going to be more about, I'm not worried about being perfect, 
I'm just going to move forward and check stuff off the list, where the one is going to make sure that it's done perfect, if that makes sense. The three is very success-oriented and pragmatic. They could be adaptive and driven, but sometimes they can be image-conscious, and that can kind of rule, especially in an unhealthy three. That image of themselves, um, the worry about what they look like or what they're the judgment of us of others is really prominent in their life and it can take over if we don't um, balance it out with some of the other um, experiences and bringing in the bodies can can really help with that the threes have a need to succeed it's not just they like it it's a need and and they get energy in succeeding so when they do succeed in something it just feels like oh, now let's do it again let's do it again they're ready to go again it's not like, oh, we did that. Oh, that feels so good. It's almost like, let's do that again. It kind of ramps them up. On the Enneagram, you know, within the, the parts, the heart and the mind and the body, so there's going to be one that sits in the middle. and they. So a three is going to have a feelings person as a two um, or a feelings person as a four. So they have a double amount, a double dose of feeling. But what's interesting is they are probably the ones that, um, in each of these things, those middle people that's, that, that's wings are both centered in that part of the body. It's kind of fascinating. In this particular case especially, um, they are the ones most likely to shut off their feelings, to repel from it, and to not be able to feel as well as they should. It kind of, it's like overwhelming, so they turn it way down and it kind of can shut off. For the threes and the sixes and the, and the nines, it's really important to, um, you might not feel like you're, that you're, not, you're connected to that body. The, the three might not feel at all like they're connected to that emotional body. And that's kind of how you can tell, one of the ways you can tell that you are a three. Threes just want to be what you want them to be. They really want to succeed. And so in a negative way, if they have to change who they are so that they get that success, they have no problem doing that. The success and the succeeding or achieving is the important, more important than the what. And so that's maybe a negative trait that can happen. They're very much about efficiency and effectiveness. Threes aren't sure sometimes who they really are. Because because they can bend to, to get that success, to achieve what the goal is, and they might change who they are, then sometimes they can get lost in who, who they really are. They're very goal-oriented, and threes can walk into a room and they can read the room because they, they know who's in charge. They know, they can walk into the room and say, okay, who, who's, who's owning this place? And that's, they can pick out the powerful person in that room and because um, they know who, what they've got to do, they're going to connect with that person to achieve. That's just innate in who they are. The four is called the individualist. Sometimes they're called the romantic. And the four is the epitome of feminine energy. So even males, males that are fours might have more of a gentle personality, which we call feminine. But it's not that they're feminine, it's just the gentleness. It's interesting, On the, it's the other side of that is the eight which is across the Enneagram and, you know, four, and then double feminine, you get the masculine. So eights are the epitome of masculinity. 
force, the epitome of femininity. So a, a woman that's a four is going to be very feminine, very, very feminine. They are very expressive, they can be dramatic, and they can be self-absorbed or temperamental because they are very much, that individualist is very much about who they are. I have a son that's a four and he just he just walks by the beat of his own drum. It's, he doesn't care about what other people think. He is just very an individual and wants to do it his way. And it's not, not a negative way, you know. I, he's very uh, rooted in himself. Uh, but fours can feel like they're on the outside because, like my son, he's in, he's in high school right now. And he's very individualist. Well, in high school, it's not about being an individual. It's about fitting in. And so he can kind of feel like he's on the outside. And we've had these talks before because I said, if you want to fit in, we can, here's what, you know, here's what's happening in this situation. Do you want to fit in? And he will always, you know, after thinking about it, say, no, I want to be true to who I am. The fours are the most susceptible to depression or melancholy just because that's just in their energy. Other, all the other numbers can deal with depression, but the four, it, it can happen. They can. They can be very uh, melancholy, you know, they like to have alone time and, and they don't. They, they're, they're focused on themselves and so sometimes other people's energies don't feed them. Fours are their feelings. Their feelings and who they are are one and the same. And they have big feelings. When a four loves you, they love you all the way. When they're angry at you, same thing. It's the, the vice and the victory. They value beauty and authenticity. My son values authenticity. It's not so much about who you are, but is that your truth? And he can he can pull that out of people and recognize that in people all the time. And I it's really hard for me sometimes if I'm having a hard time. He comes up and he I I can't hide it from him. He knows what's going on inside of me. He knows when I'm being authentic and when I'm not. They are very creative. Most, a lot of artists are probably fours. And if you think about it, like Van Gogh, Beethoven, you, you kind of can see this individualist, you know, they're very creative, and yet they're not this really outgoing, bubbly personality. And, you know, they're, they're more melancholy, and they're just deeply creative. That is the four. If you look at the Enneagram, the bottom of the Enneagram between the four and the five, there's no connections made. The biggest space where there's just no crossover is between the four and the five. That's moving from the heart or the emotions into the mind. That's the one of the most difficult places, the most difficult places to, to connect in the whole world is between bringing together the heart and the mind and that is represented in the Enneagram. Fives begin the expression of the mind, the people that are associated and find um, understandings in the mental body. Fives are called the investigator and they like to dissect and understand everything. My husband is a five and I think he has taken apart so many things in his life because he needs to know how they work. He wants to understand them on a deeper level and and it's just, it feeds him to figure out how it works. To, if something's broken, he wants to figure it out and fix it. Um, and it, it, it's like he can't not. It's so innate in who he is. And when he fixes something or when he figures something out, 
it energizes him and brings him, um, it just makes him want to, you know, he feels like that boost of energy. Fives struggle with intimacy. Now, each of these Enneagrams have, you know, they, they kind of have a positive and negative. And one thing that's interesting about the fives is their positive and negative can even have the same name, which is called detachment. And I'll tell you, this is a great example of how this duality of the same thing, the same expression, is positive and negative. So use this example in each of yours to say how is a positive toward toward my experience and helpful and how it separates me and makes me miserable. So sometimes fives can be detached emotionally. They might feel like they have within them not enough of whatever that means. I don't know if I have enough. So they might hold on to things, whether sometimes it might um, express itself financially. Maybe sometimes they might be really financially frugal. Or sometimes it can express itself, I'm not, I don't have enough energy. So most of the time it's like, let's go play a game of pickup football or basketball. A five will not join. They'll watch. They'll stay by and watch. That's just part of who they are. Or, or they might, you know, um, they might, it might be difficult for them to support someone else because they, there's this kind of feeling like if I give them my support, then I won't feel supported. And it's just kind of a strange thing, but it's part of their energy. It's, it's the, the negative part, something that they need to overcome and will become their, their greatest strength. But in this detachment, you know, that's the detachment is being not being connected that way. But let me give you an example of, of when I saw my husband use this detachment in a positive way. So they were, he was at this job once and they were holding layoffs. And so a round of people had gotten laid off and then things started to kind of struggle a little bit. And so they got all got a notice that there was a meeting and there's an announcement. And so, you know, what that sends to everybody's stress levels, what's gonna happen now, right? So the meeting begins and I, he, he was working from home and it was just on the phone kind of a thing. So I happened to walk into the room and, and I was observed this. A, a higher up um, executive was stepping down and going to move somewhere else. So he announced that he was going to move and they announced who the new person was going to be. And does anybody have any questions? And you could just feel, I'm a feeling person, I could feel the tension, even though I was not, nobody else was, was in the room, I could feel that tension from miles away. And so they asked the question, does there anybody have a comment or they want to say anything? And in this group of, you know, uh, more than a dozen people sitting there um, on this conference call, my husband said, yeah, um, what are some things you liked about working here? And what are you proud of now that you've worked here? Because he was detached from the emotion of it, he asked this question that you could feel everybody just take a deep breath and say, okay. Because what happens is, is right now, this guy was leaving, but everybody else was trying to determine what that meant later on. So that means this, this, and this. And that wasn't happening right now. And when my husband was able to say, so tell us what you've liked, and then these, you know, the executives talked about, well, I am so proud of this project that I did while I was here at this job. And I was so excited when we were able to do this. And then the new executive that was taking over talked about, you know, things he's been proud of and things he's excited and looking forward to. And because my husband was detached, it just, 
he was able to bring in a whole fresh feeling and attitude about it that was so helpful in that situation. So you can see how that detachment might be a vice in relationships, but also his, um, his virtue. And so when he becomes aware of his detachment and uses it as a tool instead of it kind of overtaking him, then that's when he can ascend and, to, and become greater and better. So think about that as you listen to all of the vices that kind of speak up and, and poke you in, in your personality, in your Enneagram. They love wisdom and knowledge, you know, there's, there's just so much good to be had for a five. But they kind of are given a broad rap because they're so analytical, maybe, and they're so, they're kind of, because of that detachment, it feels like they're kind of on the outside. So six is called the loyalist. They say that most people are sixes in the world today. I don't know why, but just a lot of different sources that I've studied, they all agree that a lot of people are sixes. So pay attention if you think you're in this group. Sixes are very committed. So again, let's look at that from a positive and negative standpoint. So if I'm very committed to my spouse, then I'm, that's, that's a very safe place to live, to be married to a six and have that commitment. But if that six is committed to something wholeheartedly, then they might be closed-minded on things. So in the sixes can lie a lot of fundamentalism um, and extremism. We could do that in religions. We get they, we get so focused on our belief system that, are, that it's right that we they have a hard time seeing the good and truth in anything else and they can, can become fundamental about their religious beliefs or sometimes politics. People will get so fanatical in their politics that they might do harmful things to others in the name of that. So you can see how it's an extreme. So it's important to bring in the balance because we wouldn't want to get rid of loyalty because it comes in handy. But it's important to learn about these energies and working working with them so that we don't move into these extreme versions. Um, this part of the Enneagram, theirs is fear. So five, sixes, and sevens. Fear is really... Um, kind of just a tender spot for them. And then the eight, nines, and tens, theirs is anger. They're just quick, kind of that anger is that something that can kind of pop up on them really quick, quickly, and something that they have to deal with. The two, threes, and fours, theirs is shame. But sixes, because of that fear and their loyalty, that's how you can see they can move into fundamentalism because their fear of being wrong or their fear of not doing it right or whatever that looks like then they even dig deeper into their loyalty. So it becomes their vice. They can be um, a questioner, which is a great thing to have, to question things and to kind of not just jump in with two feet, you know, right away to question it and hold back. It's a quality that we all need to possess. But then if we move into, you know, just always questioning and just always being the one that, um, never being able to make a decision and finalize it, then that's not as healthy. They feel secure when they are committed. You know, when they have that loyalty, it gives them energy. Remember how this is the center of that fear. And so they're going to get a double dose of it because either of those wings is going to just accentuate it. And then they often will be lost in their their thoughts. It, like they need to actually 
you know, instead of going to their brain, they kind of push it away, their thoughts, they push it away. So if they could actually connect with their mental body and really pay attention to the thoughts they're having, then they could, they could start to calm down. The sevens. Sevens are called the enthusiasts. And these are usually just the fun, loving, fun, fun, fun. It's ironic that they're in the mind because some, you know, that they're in that section of the mental body because people would think they kind of don't have any mind at all. But that is where their um, natural, they just, that their natural space lives, their energy lives, but they just see it differently. They are busy, they're fun loving, they're spontaneous. The sevens are like, we're gonna go somewhere. I'm in, they're just spontaneous. They don't need to plan. Um, but they can be scattered and they can be easily distracted, you know, squirrel, that's very much a seven um, energy. But again, that distraction feeds them and gives them energy. And so because they're that, and they always see the positive, they're always looking at the positive side and they're, and so when their fear comes in, they're going to diffuse it with their positive thoughts. But sometimes what happens is, is they're, scattered and stuff that they're not really going with what's actually happening at the moment. So that's something that's negative. Seven wants to experience everything. They're just like, let's do that. And we're going to do this. And we're going to do that. And so they're kind of always two steps ahead and not really in the moment, like, like I said. So, and sevens, you know, they'll positive, positive, positive until they can't anymore. And then they, they might crash. So they're always out there planning. Oh, we're going to go on this trip. We're going to go see this. And we're going to also so they do this and this is going to happen. And then at some point it isn't really happening. And so it, it kind of catches up with them and they can, they can crash. So they are all about fun. They are positive, happy, happy people. And who wouldn't want that? Who would not want that? Um, but, but sometimes we need, you know, to balance out with some reality and that's their negative. The eight is called the challenger and they are very powerful and dominating. Remember, this is a very masculine energy. They are very self-confident, decisive, willful, and sometimes they're very confrontational. So this is helpful to understand somebody that's an eight and how they experience things. Now, one of the best lessons I learned about an eight is in this confrontation or this it's not that they even it's not about they're just about confrontation so let's say you you know somebody that's an eight and you know that blue is their favorite color and so someone else comes in and says hey i really like blue there's the, the confrontation they're going to say yeah but blue can be this and this and this even though you know they love the color blue they just like to Comfort, they like to criticize and comfort, you know, be confrontational. They like to look at things from the other angle. They like to push the buttons and, and come up with different solutions and argue. They love to argue. And so it's not about the color blue to them. That argument is, is the exciting part, the part that brings them energy. And if you can recognize that in eight, then you can begin to communicate with them a little better because sometimes um, some of these other numbers, when they come up against an eight, it's very scary. We'll talk about a little bit later, but um, when I am in distress as a two, I sometimes will go into an eight energy. People that are around me, here I am, this two, nice, loving person, and I move into an eight, and so it's kind of like super scary to the people, or they, they don't, it feels really, like really harsh because it's so opposite of who I am. Um, but to an ace, this is who they are. Um, Aids don't want to be in charge of you. 
They just don't want you to be in charge of them. They know themselves by what they are against. You know, it's that confrontation again. They thrive on conflict and they want the truth all the time. You know, they're the type that if you say, hey, do I look good in this? No, and they'll tell you. They don't have, they don't, you know, that's as a two, I'm gonna be like, well, you look beautiful all the time. But at eight, it's going to say, no, here's the truth of what it is. They are gonna tell you the truth. And, and that's a quality that we need. They don't trust easily. Something that an eight might need to hear is you won't be betrayed. They need that confidence in themselves. And again, we're looking at, these guys are body, um, their gut or body. So they're gonna feel things physically. They're going to receive information physically. They need to really pay attention to their physical exercise. That's something that, that's gonna be really important to them with all of because they're the most energetic of this section of the Enneagram. They are either all in or not in at all. They're, they're very black and white in that area. When they, you know, if it's, it's who they are, then they're that, and it's just very finite and, and something that they're not fluid at all. They're probably more, um, just more black and white that way. The nine is called the peacemaker, and the nine is easygoing, receptive, reassuring, agreeable, but they can be complacent. And a nine is one that's really susceptible to thinking they're all of the other, they're kind of will join into whoever else is there. They'll, they'll succumb to any of the other types if there's a decision to be made. They, they don't know themselves very well. But it's, it's interesting that the nines see both sides of things and that's a positive thing and, and it can be a negative thing because it can keep them stuck because they don't have a sense of themselves because they always see the other side and they want to avoid conflict more than anything. Nines need an outside structure. So what's funny is where a six kind of can go into fanaticism with, with things, that same structure to a nine is what they need to move forward and to progress and to get on schedule and to get things done. A nine will not usually, they're not self-starters, but it's because they're just easygoing. So an easygoing person isn't necessarily a self-starter. It's the vice and the virtue. They usually are a jack of all trades and nines will go along with whoever is loudest. They don't need to be the leader at all. The nines are, remember, in that physical. So where the eight's gonna need the physical, um, the physical expression, the nine would probably need more rest. They're gonna be ones that need that they're going to want more rest, whether that's good or bad, but they'll just that's going to be a priority. They're going to need those eight hours of sleep every night, where the eight might be the ones that are, you know, they they've they've got to just move their body at a, at a um, fast, quick level, energetic level. So finally, once you figure out who you are, then you use the enneagram to help you on your life path. The more I come in contact with people, the more clients I have, usually they have a story, something that's been difficult. They've lived, been living this life, life goes along, and something hard comes in and just kind of pulls the rug out from underneath you. And the Enneagram is a clue to, to those things. When we learn about our Enneagram, we learn about, we can almost see where our hit is going to come. 
where is our trial or our difficulty going to come? And it's right there in the Enneagram. When you look at those spots, that's where you're going to get those things that are important to you are those things that are going to get hit. And in order for those things to, when those things get hit, then for whatever reason, that's the momentum we need to push forward and to be able to try something new. It's almost like we, we have to tear ourselves down to rebuild something new. And so we're going to get hit in those very vulnerable spots. So a two where I'm very much about a connect, connecture and nurturer, I'm probably going to get hit in my connection with my loved ones, the ones that I love and nurture. They're going to hurt. They're, they're, my, my pain is going to come from them very easily or very to, to, in order to get me to transform. And so it's a good thing I get that hit, but it's, oh, it's so painful. Uh, a five is going to get hit in their thinking, in the way they, they their mental position on the world is going to, like, they're going to feel like, what? I thought I had this figured out. I thought I knew what it, this was. And that's going to get flipped on its side at some point. And it's it's just the mo momentum we need to, to move. But as we move through the Enneagram, you can see these arrows. Beginning with the one, uh, the first arrow shows what each person goes to in stress. You know, how they kind of start to kind of unravel, let's say. So a one is going to go to a four when they start to unravel. So a one who's usually the perfectionist, the, reform, the reformer, you know, this good boy, they're going to retreat and turn into the four and become really isolated maybe, maybe have some melancholy, you know, they're going to come into this um, negativity. In order to balance that out, they need to bring in some of the seven. So if you think about the rigidity of the reformer or the perfectionist, that seven energy is just going to come in and balance that out so well to bring that into to a good place and in balance. The two is going to, in stress, going to go to the eight, like we talked about before. And then in order to, for me, in my two, to really balance out, I'm going to, I'm going to really need some of that four. I'm going to, I'm giving out to the world and I'm, and I'm giving, giving, giving. I need to stop a little bit and, and have a sense of myself and really pay attention to, to my needs. That's how I can bring that into balance my now. The three is going to go into the peacemaker. Now the three is the achiever. They're the ones that like to achieve and then they're, when they're stressed they're going to just follow someone else or whoever's the loudest. They'll just go with them and, and they'll kind of become unstructured and, and kind of lose the sense of who, who they are. But to bring them back to, to, um, to who they are, they can pull from the six energy from that um, questioner, that skeptic, you know, that loyalist kind of regroup, you know, because they're not going to go into full six. They're going to just use some of that energy to bring it back. The four is going to move into a two when they're stressed. The four, who's this individual, is now going to all of a sudden worry about everyone else, take care of everybody else's needs, wonder about them, and really lose themselves. You know, nobody, all of this are about taking away our energy or losing ourselves, and that's how fours do it. They turn into helpers. And I, I think that would be so, you know, that would be thought of as good job four, and so then it would be really easy to lose yourself um, under stress as a four. So the energy they need to bring in is that perfectionist, that reformer, that critic, 
bring in some of those things to help balance that, that self out. So, so critic meaning, okay, I'm going to help. Let's see if that's true. Let's, let's critique this situation and see if that person is in need of help or because a, a two will help regardless. Sometimes they're even smothering with their twos. So that was hard to hear. Um, the five is going to turn into a seven when they are in stress. They are going to kind of get a little goofy and laugh and you're kind of, it just doesn't look familiar to you when they're in their stress. And to balance that out, they're going to need to bring in the, the leader, the challenger. The six are going to, in stress, they're going to become a three. They're going to need to just achieve, achieve, achieve. They're just going to check things off their list and I got to do this and uh, I, I've done everything I need to do and in, in their fear, very easy for them to just go through a checklist and not worry about the whys or the, the meaning behind it, but just achieve things to feel good about themselves. But they need to bring in that peacemaker and that, that nine energy to bring them back to self, to kind of ease away from that achiever and kind of become, you know, bring in that peacemaker energy to, to bring them back to center. Sevens are going to go into the one when they are stressed. They're going to become a perfectionist. They're going to want to change everything. We got to redo this. We got to, you know, they're going to all of a sudden not be this happy-go-lucky person, but all of a sudden become very rigid. And to balance that out, they need that five. They need to investigate and they need to get their critical thinking on to, to bring them back into their bubbly selves. Isn't that kind of funny? The eights are going to go into this um, detached version of themselves when they're in stress. Um, their nature is to be the leader and all of a sudden they're going to be disconnected. And to help them come back or to help them achieve a higher state of themselves, then they need to bring in that too. They need to bring in that love and, and, and nurturing. Finally, the nines are going to move to a six. So this peacemaker, this person that is peaceful and willing to go with both sides, all of a sudden they're going to become very loyal. They're going to stick, you know, when they're in stress, they're going to um, move into this skeptic, question things, and all of a sudden become very rigid compared to what they normally are. And to balance that out, they need some of the three. They need to achieve something. You know, nine needs that structure, and so with, in order to help them move forward, you know, they're going to need that checklist of a, like that a three has. They need to achieve these certain things, and that's how they, they can get their balance that way. The Enneagram is a great symbol for you to look at, to see where you're at, and to see where others are at. I can see in my kids and in my, my family members and my coworkers, I can see who they are, and I can see when they move into their stress or um, when they are not feeling the, they're not feeling energized. So I hope you have enjoyed this learn as much as you can about the Enneagram and, and how you can begin to use that body that you identify with to help you in creating your personality traits to be more confident and to become that ascended self. Thank you for listening. Join the community of knowledge and growth at thewholenessnetwork.com.